you guys have just lit a atomic bomb of photography madness in my brain. In my brain. Uh, that, that was one of my favorite openings ever. <laughs> it really is. It's good. Yeah, it's genius. Uh, thanks, Tom, in Michigan for, uh, for calling in. Hey, if you want to call in and leave your own potential opening, uh, 347-687-9411. That was pretty good, though, right? That was excellent, yeah. That, yeah. I think that was the best, uh, one of the, well, one of the best messages we've gotten. We've gotten a bunch of emails and and google plus messages and stuff in the past week um from people who found the show now that we're on five by five and are are trying to catch up with the 45 now 46 episodes yes that are out there <laughs> but uh why don't you tell people what we're listening to we're listening to this is on taking pictures this is episode 46 uh of on taking pictures we're here each and every week talking about the art and science of making images sometimes the philosophy sometimes we get a little gooey Right? A little bit? A little gooey, yeah. A little gooey. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me, Mr. Fancy Pants, Bill Wadman. I've been a little fancy this week, I have to admit. You, you, you have been fancy. You, uh, your stock went up a little this week, I've I been, think. I've been, I was busy this past few days. I, yeah. I, I had two shoots on Friday. I had a shoot yesterday. I had a shoot this morning. You, you, you did a portrait, and it only took you 127 lights. Uh, hey, you know, that... <laughs> That was pretty cool. Can we start with that? Sure. Let's start with that. So, right. uh, I, I, you know, I get hired by magazines and they say, you know, go take pictures of this person. Here's their contact information. We'll pay you X amount. Um, that's, that's a lot of the bread and butter of what I do is like doing portraits for magazines and that kind of editorial stuff. And so I get this, I get a call and I'm, I'm supposed to go shoot this lawyer who is like some big wig at CBS apparently. This guy's big time though, right? I mean, he's... Yeah. He's the, he's the guy, right? Yeah. So, right. He's, I don't know, chief counsel or something like that, right? So, uh, usually when I go do this, oftentimes I come in and we're shooting in a, a conference room or in the guy's right. office. Right. Or in some other nameless, faceless place. Not this uh, time, though, huh? No. So, <laughs> this guy apparently has enough juice, you know, more juice than we have, that, that he was able to book the CBS nightly news set. To shoot which on, is, which is awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I'm going to need you guys to go ahead and not be here tomorrow morning, okay? Well, no. Here's the thing: <laughs> he needed the people to be there because CBS is a union shop. Oh, so you had okay. So, so you had all the people there with the you. lighting people, the camera people. They all had to be there, even though we were just taking pictures of some guy. Wow. Now, were, are you able to to adjust things, or do you have to say, "Hey, can you adjust"? these lights for me. Well, see, here's the thing. There literally were 127 lights. Actually, I think it was 150 something lights in the room. Uh, all tungsten up in the rafters, aiming down at the desk in different angles and different ways and different yeah. flagged this, that, and the other thing. And I like those scoop slightly different color. The photo of, yeah, they, the guy, they had everything. And then they do the eye light where it's like, it's a, it's a light, but it's sort of, uh, um, uh, cut off so it only gets the eyes up mm -hmm. so it like fills mm -hmm. in the forehead there are no shadows in this room you know it's it's the room without shadows <laughs> it's like a neil gaiman novel <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's like the next uh, uh game of thrones novel <laughs> the room of shadows um 
So anyway, I, I, I get there and it was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. What was nice is that usually also when you go to these places, you, you, you know, you get escorted in or there's a security desk that you have to, oh, here's my ID. I'm here to see so-and-so. And, uh, and that, I mean, it happened to me on Friday. I had another shoot for the same magazine at a bank downtown and I had these two big sort of guys in monkey suits like escort me to the floor where I had to shoot the woman. So I was like, okay, well, that's probably happened here. So I walk in the door and there's a woman there from the PR department of, of CBS waiting for me. And she's like, hi, are you Bill Watman? And I said, yeah. And she goes, here you go. And she hands me my security badge, which she had already prepared or gotten prepared for me. She's like, follow me. And we walk through the security gates. This is at the broadcast center over on the west side. And we walk through the security gates and we walk up the hallway and we take a left. And all of a sudden I'm on the, I'm on the set of the CBS nightly news. Wow. Like there I am. There's the desk. There's the cameras, you know, the remote control cameras in their like standard positions. And I get introduced. Did you have the urge to sit down? Like, good evening. I'm Bill Watt. I, I did, but then I didn't <laughs> want to be that guy. Right. right. I would have totally been that guy. You would have been that guy. <laughs> yeah. Can I just get five minutes before we start? Yeah. Well, I, I probably could have. I took some pictures in front of it. In fact, I put one of them up on Facebook. Um, right. Anyway, so I get in there and I get introduced to the all the union guys who are on set. And they were actually – they were super sweet, super nice, very helpful. You know, what do you need? Uh, you know, we have the full complement of lights up now, but we can actually push up these key lights a little bit if you want some more light or, you know, whatever you need. And I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, bring them up. You know, I'd love a little more light. Uh, they did that, and the guy's like, you know, do you need you need something to stand on? We got Apple boxes. We got this. We got that. Wow. Um, you know, I said, hey, I'd love some water. And he's like, all right, I'll go get your bottle of water. And they go in the fridge, and they get me a bottle of water. I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, they were very helpful. I've heard horror stories of now, other was, people. Was this, was this the first time that you had you had been on on this type of a set with this level of kind of other people there? Um. Well, it's the first time I've been on a, like a union TV set okay, where I've okay. had to deal with that kind of stuff. But you hear horror stories about those situations, you know, where the, you know they don't like you because you're not union or whatever. But these guys were like, "Hey, you know, hey, this is this is work for us. We're here for four hours. We're getting paid for four hours to come in here an hour early." You know, wow. uh, so they were very helpful, very useful. Um, but everything's tungsten, right? They're all these uh, tungsten lights at like thirty two hundred degrees. Um, so I ended up using I had I had a single strobe gelled with a diffuser on and then inside of like one of those little 16 by 16 soft boxes up on a stand and I could move that around uh to 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 control the light on his face, right? Mm-hmm. Because the room actually was not that bright. It was like uh, I was at ISO 800 f- f4.5 at like a hundredth of a second. So there wasn't a ton of light. I actually I was surprised. I thought there would actually be a lot more light. So well, you don't want them squinting. You know? No, that's true. No, true. Uh, so, so the guy walks in, and he's he was very nice, but very nervous. Didn't like, obviously, didn't like getting his picture taken. Um, and, but, and what was this for? Like a like a, a, a so annual report? Yeah, or what some it? board members magazine, the New York Stock Exchange. Right. I don't know, you know, okay. I don't know. Um, so, so he comes in, and he had just gotten his makeup done by one of their makeup artists. So she's standing around, like with the sling over her, like to go fix hair that comes out or whatever. Uh, there are two PR people there. There's the three or four union guys standing around. There is the guy's assistant holding his coat, you know, some, some like, you know, 30 year old guy holding his coat. So there's like 10, 15 people behind me while I'm taking pictures of this guy and he's super uncomfortable. He's like, you know, 
standing there very, very stiff. I keep having to tell him to close his mouth. Um, it was just a very odd situation. But the practical upshot of this is that I got to talk to the guys who do all the rigging and everything like that. And they were telling me, because I noticed that in the desk itself was like a semicircular set of LED lights pointing up at the guy mm. in the, you know, in the chair. Sure. Now, I, I took a couple pictures of this guy in the actual, you know, anchor chair, but that's not the shot I was going for. But it, I just noticed that these things were there and I'm just thinking, man, these people don't have any shows. How did they do this before LEDs? And I asked the guy and he was telling me that they used to have Kinoflows in the desk aiming up and then bouncing them with mirrors. Oh, wow. At the person in the desk. Huh. And it was just, it was just a crazy experience, but very, very cool to, uh, you know, to be on a set like that is kind of neat. Oh, know, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. So uh, very cool, very cool experience. And uh, those guys were super sweet. So, you know, not that they listen, but I'd give them a shout out anyway. <laughs> on the off chance. <laughs> on the off chance that they're doing this. Yeah. Uh, uh, just, just a rag. And then I had a shoot this morning where I actually had to... Uh, copy a a uh, um, uh, pictures that had already been taken. Like I was, I was sort of mimicking a style for these corporate headshots for this company. Yeah, this was kind of crazy. Now, th- this they they actually sent you detailed specs of like here's the lens. Yeah, here they are sent your lighting diagrams, uh, the focal length, uh, actually camera settings. They're like ISO 100 at f9 and this shutter speed. And I understand that, like, for somebody who's a complete idiot, they may need, like, every single one of those things in order to replicate the shot. Uh, But it's obviously one of only many ways to get this specific shot that would be fine. Now, was was there concern that it it just had to match visually? They're going to go side by side, so... You know, these people weren't there for the original shoot and it had to match perfectly. Is that is that the reasoning behind it, you think? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, And and so... uh, yeah, it was people from all over the country, and they were supposed to, like, match on an annual report or whatever it was for. Okay, gotcha. Um, so this guy this guy was nice, but a lot of the people for the originals that they showed us were, like, younger, more sprightly guys. This guy was very nice, but he was older and, you know. And uh, uh, so we had to set up in this room, and they originally had told me, like, the, the lighting diagram had a light two feet off the wall, aiming at a particular color of gray paper, a studio gray paper background. And, uh, and then there was like another light with a, with a soft box hitting the person. So it, it was, they were fairly basic shot, right? It wasn't a, a whole lot of art involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I was taking this shot, but I had to do the setup and they, and, and the lighting diagram has two feet between two or three feet between the light and the background and then four feet between him and the light and, you know, in front. And then I'm using an 85 to shoot somebody from like elbows up to top of their head. So I need to be another eight or 10 feet back. Right. And they were telling me that they were going to put me in a room that was 10 by 10 feet. <laughs> well, unless they've got you know, a new form of physics going on. <laughs> but, well, which was my point. I said, we can't do that. And they said, well, you know, they, they, they said they had taken these pictures in a room that size before. And I was like, no, they didn't. You know, not if they took them, not if you're doing what you're asking me to do. You can't physically like there are physics involved. There's right. no way I can take that this picture with this focal length at this field of view with those lights in a room that's 10 by 10 feet. 
um in the end we ended up getting like sort of a big conference room thing that we could push the tables out of the way and it worked out but we didn't even end up they had a nine foot roll of paper we ended up using like this five foot roll of paper and just turning it sideways and like wiping it across the wall horizontally as oh, opposed okay. to that's the way we yeah, got I mean, our you're, nine you're feet only wide. shooting yeah elbows yeah, up right um it worked out it wasn't you know as great as it could have been but it was fine uh, but yeah, you know, sometimes you people come to you with specifics and it's like, OK, you have specifics. Trust me that this can't be done. If if what you want is this, I need these things, you know, and mm-hmm. somebody says, no, mm-hmm. you don't need those things. It's like, well, then don't ask me to do this because I'm trying to do a good job for you. Uh, Once you get on set, is it. It's got to be a little more difficult to push back once you're on set because you're there to do a job. Everybody's in place. Uh, but now you're saying, well, here, this is, yeah. we're going to have to stray a little bit. And the people that are there are only, they're only looking at the sheet that they gave you, right? They're like, no, 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 it's got to be four feet. It's got to be four feet. Exactly. Four right. Feet. And what I'm replicating is not the exact settings. I'm replicating the look of the photograph, mm-hmm. you know, and it may, it may be that, you know, that the guy, the, when the originals were shot, that's the other funny thing. So they were, they were, well, this is a very techie beginning of the show. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the, originally they, they were shot, uh, using a couple pro photo heads on a 2400 watt second pack okay but but the way that these things were the pack was being used at like one sixteenth power one eighth power like they weren't using they didn't need a 2400 watt second pack you know right but that's what they were using so these that's what the setting said and you could imagine a certain kind of client in that situation would be like well you're not using the exact thing it says on this board and it's like well this does this is meaningless you know you don't need that well right. yeah you do because that's what we used last that's time exactly right yeah yeah uh we ended up using a couple of white lightning heads that dan brought with him so it was like it was fine mm-hmm. getting this spill on the background the same was a little trickier because Profoto does use these certain sort of reflectors in its heads uh that don't quite get mimicked the same way as the white lighting. So we had to play a little bit to get that right. But what, do they give you a different fall off or how do they? Yeah. Do different fall off, different cone. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, they're not mm-hmm. they're they're The, the pro photo ones are a lot more controllable because you can slide them forward and back and sort of control the, the, Oh wow. Almost yeah. like a Fresnel type of thing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. The way it works. Interesting. Um, and it, you know, is, is that worth 10 times as much money? Well, you know, you could argue that, but you know, Hey, if I had a, set of pro photo acutes i would have used that but i didn't so whatever um but yeah it worked you know it's, but it just goes to show you sometimes you have to you you have to push back because what you're what you're doing is you're trying to do the best for the client not exactly what they're telling you all the all the time right they don't know right well th- that goes back to that 300 dpi thing it's like yeah exactly right exactly it's the same kind of thing uh you've got to know your craft you've got to know you know, this, this is kind of uh, a testament to you knowing, look, this is what 85 looks like. This is what 50 looks like. This is what 35 looks like. Yeah. And I'm telling you, this can't be done the way you say it's, it was done in the past. Right. Exactly. And, and, and also that, that you have to feel confident enough that you can look at that picture and like, look at the basic lighting diagram and go, Oh yeah, 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 I could do that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, we can set that up and it can look like that. And in the end it looks like it, you know, it's fine. Um, so, so those things happen, which is kind of nice, but anyway, so I've been busy lately. So yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yeah. But I liked it, man. All those lights in that CBS place were crazy. There were so many lights, you know, the most lights that I ever use in photography is two, three, maybe four. I think the most lights I've ever used was five and it was for like, I had to have like a little special kicker. 
right. uh, on something or some other so weird n- angle. Or not 127 or 154. No, it, was ins- <laughs> it was nuts. And some of them were like little and they were flagged and they were just aiming at this one little part and they were coming for, you know, it's, it's a whole other world, uh, this whole thing. That's uh, a, I would love to talk to, uh, what would it be? I mean, who would, who would it be that handles all that? Is it technical director? Yeah, probably. So I would love to talk to one of the TDs and, and see what goes into that and how long it takes to set that up initially. You yeah. Know? Well, the funny thing was that one of the guys there said to me, I've been here since Cronkite. Oh, wow. Yeah. He'd been around this guy. So let's wow. say he was in his like late fifties or whatever it is. Maybe he's been around since he was in his twenties. Yeah. So he was around when Cronkite was still around. And he said that Cronkite's desk was literally a news desk that they just pointed some lights in a camera at. Huh. Like he was at a news desk, like in the corner, low ceiling, whatever it is. And that this set was, you know, huge and 10 times more complex compared to that, you know, for whatever reasons. Yeah. All that stuff fascinates me. It really does. It's really neat because the amount of people who were doing stuff at that level is so small. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, how many people in the world could, could confidently light a news desk the way that they're doing it. Yeah. The way that they've come to be lit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's, been, exactly it's right. been worked out and it stays that way probably for 10 years until yeah. they redesign the set and they have to light it all again. And they start with one light and then two and then three and then four and 27 and 39. And well, I mean, it's not unlike theater, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're lighting in, in much the same way that, that shows get lit. Yeah. Although I think it's even more intense than theater because it's kind of close up, right? Mm-hmm, it's, sure. it's theater on a controlled level on a stage that's four by six feet. Yeah. Wow. So cool. So glad you got a chance to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was, it was, it, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so all that, that, that was fine. Hey, uh, both of you and I made stupid mistakes this week. Uh, yes. Yes, we did. No. Hey, here's a tip kids. <laughs> back up your stuff yeah (laughs) you know we've been talking for weeks now Uh, how we were going to do a little work show backup thing do you want to do the full board do you just want to we want to talk about backup let's let's see how long we spend on on backup and and because i think workflow that's uh, i would love to talk about a workflow from literally from capture to post-process and print and you know output uh, and I think that would be a really fun show to do. Um, but yeah, backup, let's, let's start with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I think we need to give a little bit of a thing of what we did wrong. I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> I was helping a friend. Uh, I was helping, uh, I, I had set up a WordPress site for uh, a, a, a friend of mine. See, this is where it all starts for both of us, actually helping someone else. Yeah, no, he paid me for it. This is not like whatever, but okay. But it, it, it actually, the WordPress site had been set up by some other person, and then I was skinning it for this company. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 you know, I, I keep a hand in that stuff mostly because it gives me something else to do, and you know, like it's something completely different than photography, and it's uh, a little jigsaw puzzle every once in a while is trying to figure out how to make this stuff work. Sure. So. I did this for this guy like a year and a half ago. And uh, apparently something changed on the server and it stopped updating and it lost its theme and all heck broke loose on this WordPress site. 
And so they asked me to go fix it. And it turned out that, you know how when you have a host, you can, you can uh, have the, the software, like a cPanel kind of thing, install WordPress for you? Yes. But if you do... Often with like a simple script type yes, thing. Yes, exactly. But yep. a lot of times you lose con- certain levels of control when sure. you do that. Okay. So it was set up that way. And so whatever was wrong with that, we decided to do a clean install somewhere else manually and then move everything over from the old one to the new one. And I did all of that or somebody else did that, set it all up. I could do it. But no, somebody, did, okay. Did they migrate servers or just migrate folders on the migrate same server? folders on the same server? So they installed okay. WordPress somewhere else, exported all the things from the first one, imported them into the second one. I reskinned the second one because somehow the theme got lost and Everything was hunky-dory, and I went and deleted the original installation because uh, the I couldn't get the um, subdomain back until I deleted the old one. Okay, so that's the end of the technical stuff. Basically, the practical upshot is that even though she brought all of the girl who did this brought all of the articles over, when you back up a WordPress installation, apparently it does not bring the images with it. The database backs up the image location, but not the images themselves. Well, the image location was the old folder, which which got deleted. deleted. (laughs) So this was two years of daily blog posts with images. All the images are gone. Big, empty, X blank spaces in the website. (laughs) And I knew it. The minute I did it, I knew what I did. And here's the thing that kills me. Before I did it, I started backing up that entire folder, downloading it via FTP, but it was taking so long because file by file by file in FTP can sometimes take forever. Sure. And there was a thousand images in this folder. I'm not going to sit here for four hours waiting for the stupid thing. I'm just going to wipe it out. And so I stopped the backup and deleted the thing and then only Uh, then realized that I had only backed up half of it once I realized what was wrong. cue the sinking stomach. Yes, right? That's (laughs) the feeling. And so in the end, the host was able to restore a backup of that folder and I was able to get him back or whatever. But the practical upshot of it is you need to back up your stuff. Okay, so how how did you screw up? So here's here's my little little escapade. Uh, Uh... B's computer, we needed to restore the admin password. Nobody remembered what the admin password was on a, on a Windows 7 machine. Okay. So uh, I have a, a dual boot machine. I boot into Windows 7. Um, and there are ways to get around finding passwords. You can either find the passwords or you can obliterate passwords and start over. Uh, but the, 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 the HP netbook that she's using... Uh, HP doesn't allow you to boot from USB without first formatting the USB device using their proprietary format utility. Of course. Which makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. Logic. <laughs> so so I download this and uh, I select my, my thumb drive, which is showing in the little target box in a format, the, the format dialog, which if, if you've ever used it, it shows your target. Fine. I hit format and... Uh, it apparently is formatting. It's taking longer than it should. Um, and I noticed that the light on the thumb drive, the little access light is not going. Uh However, the light on my Mac client drive is going. Uh So, yeah, whoa, whoa. So the yeah long story short I got about a third of the way through 
reformatting an HFS drive into NTFS, which it shouldn't have been able to see or, or access anyway. Um, and every photo I've taken since 2005, every piece of client work since the same, I mean, it just a terabyte and a half of data gone. And when you called me and had this sinking feeling, <laughs> I said, this is all this stuff. You don't have another backup of all of this. No, no, of course not. Because, because Jeffrey's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh so man! So I don't. I didn't follow the three, two, one rule. You right. know, three mm-hmm. backups on two different media, one offsite. Mm-hmm. I didn't follow that. Uh, suffice to say, I will now. Now, uh, I found a. I don't do a, that either. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, I found a piece of software called Disk Drill. It's a uh, a Mac piece of software, OS ten software, that was able to go through and recover a great deal of it. I think I ended up maybe losing 10%, um, uh, if that, um, which is nice. The problem now is I've got, uh, you know, 127,000 NEF files that are all named file 00001.nef through file 127,000.nef. Yeah, that's, see, that's the bad time. Yes. Uh, so, uh, back up your stuff, kids, or, you know, you, you, you may be in trouble. Uh, so we wanted to talk a little bit about backup options because there is this, this, this idea of, as I just mentioned, three, two, one, and you, you have, uh, three different backups of anything on two different media, one offsite. Okay. Um, the problem I have with that theory is that theory works great for, you know, your Word documents. Yes. That theory doesn't work so great when it's two, three terabytes worth of image data. Especially the the cloud storage or right. You know, well, here's like here's that. the thing. Okay, even if it's local. Well, mm-hmm. here well, let me let me back up. I my, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, my main. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> You're, you must be getting old. You're getting into really corny jokes. I know. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> the only ones I can remember. <laughs> so I have a, I have a, a RAID zero array that I save all of my stuff to because I use these, I end up having these big giant files. Okay. Tell, tell people f- who aren't familiar with what's the, di- let's, let's start with that. What's the difference between RAID zero and one? Uh, RAID zero is, is Stripe. So it has, it has multiple drives, in my case, two drives. And it writes half the data to one and half the data to the other. So it can write all of the data in half the time. Okay. Or, or, you know, approximately, right? So the idea is that it's like one big hard drive. The bad, the downside of one very big, fast hard drive. The downside is that if you lose either one of those hard drives, your data's cooked. Your, all the data's gone. Right. So you're doubling your chances of failure. Now, the way that I deal with that is that I have a backup running at least daily and sometimes more often than that, backing up to another hard drive. It backs up the RAID array to another drive. A single drive. Another single drive, yeah, uh, which is local in my computer. Every once in a while, that backup drive that's in there, I, I back that up to another drive that I put in like a little USB 3 dock that's sitting right. on my desktop. Right. So that theoretically at least up every few months everything is at least on all the way down to that second backup drive 
when I when I finish images, that's all my like PSDs and my raw files and all that kind of stuff. When I finish images for say a magazine or whatever it is, and they say we want these three images, and I retouch them and I send them to the magazine, I also put full size JPEGs of those up in my Dropbox. Okay. So there's a folder in my Dropbox of finished images, quote unquote, which is something like I don't know twenty gigs or something which is pretty much everything that I care about. So if my house really burned down to the ground and I lost all my pictures because my hard drives burned, I would ha- I still have 20 gigs of high-res stuff that is like the really important stuff. Right. So it's finished. See, I retouched images. It's Because I don't really need... If the world came to an end, I don't really care whether or not I have the PSD of something, you know? Right, right. See, so. and I went about it kind of wonky. I have backups. I have two different backups of my system drive, which... Who cares? I have the least important drive. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? So lesson learned. Well, yeah. So here's the thing, though. Even if you have it all local, let's take cloud stuff offsite off out of this equation for a minute. Okay. so maybe maybe multiple spinning drives. Yeah. Like I've got my system here. What other thing other than hard drives am I supposed to put two terabytes worth of stuff onto? Sure. (laughs) Zip disks. Yeah, exactly. Like what, (laughs) what are you supposed to do? You know? Uh, you, you have, uh, okay. You're not gonna put on DVDs, maybe multiple, multiple, multiple Blu-rays, but like, who's going to do that? Tape drives. What are you kidding me? I mean, okay. My, my new plan is going to be, uh, two, three terabyte drives and then, uh, another physical external drive that I'll keep somewhere else. Like I'll keep it at, at Nikki's okay. house. Or well, something. that's the thing. Like I, what I really should do is take, take that backup drive, um, that I, that I back up to that third drive that I back my backup to and swap that every once in a while with the backup drive in my computer and then leave that at a friend's house that right. I trust. Like right. that's, that's probably the best thing to do. But, and I know people who do that or every time they go to their parents' house or their friend's house, they swap the drives back and forth. And I've thought about doing it. There's just no one like re- – if there was somebody a block away that I could do that with, it's one thing. I don't want to have to remember to take it to dinner next time I go with somebody. Right, um, right. So so for me, uh, I have almost everything in three places. I don't have it on two different things, but I have – Technically, two different things because I save those big JPEGs up to Dropbox. So at least there's somewhere else. There's an added benefit to that, which is if I'm out and about, and I remember I was in Utah. I was in um, – so there's this town – the town uh, south of Arches is Moab, right? Yes. Okay. So I was in Moab, and I got a call from a magazine that I had delivered the quote-unquote final images to, and it turned out that they wanted a different image. Uh, which I had already processed and I had up in my Dropbox account. So I didn't have to say, well, you can get it in a week and a half when I get back from my vacation. Right. I said, hold on a second. I'll send you a link to the file. And I could just, you know, send public link to this email address for this file. What, what do you have for for Dropbox? What's your total storage? Uh, I think I have 100 gigs. Really? And what do they get you for that a year? Well, no, no. I mean, I... I, I, I I have the option of using 100 gigs. I don't use anywhere near 100 gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's $99 a year. Oh, that's that's good. That's um, a good price. Which, you know, for me, it's nice because it's like it doesn't need to be – I don't need a ton of space. I'm not backing up everything I own on Dropbox. Right. Some people do. Uh, my friend – I use 26.3 out of 111 that I have. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, I mean, if I had a big enough card in my phone, I could carry everything in my Dropbox on my phone, you know? Okay. So let, let's, let's kind of maybe 
so, go so far where we're at. You keep final, final images in Dropbox. Yeah. But you also keep them on a RAID zero array yeah. that's backed up to another logical or physical drive. Yeah. And the ones up on Dropbox are flattened, done, finished JPEGs. Okay. They're so like you 85% out of 100 JPEGs. And the PSD, the PSDs. I don't back the, up. The, you don't back up. Well, I mean, I back them up to other hard drives. I don't back them up to the cloud. Okay. I just, I, you know, my problem is I just don't have an internet connection that's fast enough. Yeah. I have a two megabit, my, my maximum, I've actually upgraded this week to a five megabit per second upload that I have to go pick up the new modem for. And it's like, okay, yeah, well. Even at that, let's say that you're That would uploading- take six months to upload yeah. what I've got. And it's yeah. like in, using all the bandwidth for six straight months. Changing content every single day too. So it's going to have to, to a certain extent, re-upload several things a day. Uh, yes, exactly. Which is just not, it's just not going to happen. I'm not uploading. Some of my PSDs are four gigabytes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to re-upload them every time I save them. You right. Know? They're four gigs. Um, so for me, it's just not doable. Now there are some of those companies were you saying like crash plan and some of those, there's a few that will actually send you a hard drive. Yes. For a fee or you can send them a hard drive. Yeah. And that basically you can start your backup using actually like a FedExing a hard drive through the mail. Right. There, uh, crash plan is one. Backblaze is another one. Okay. Uh, there's I mean, Mosey. That yeah. might be an option for me. But again, what does that really gain me? You know, I mean, I, I kind of like I'd have bigger system. problems if my house burned down. Yeah. But I, I like your system of keeping final, final, final in the cloud. Because that's ultimately all that really matters. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if, if your house burns down, you want to just have the picture. You don't need to know that you can go back and change the curves layer on something. You know, it's like. <laughs> right. Yeah. At that at that point. Yeah. So for me, that's that's the way I go. So I go RAID zero goes to another drive. That drive goes to a third drive sometimes, you know, every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then I have the important stuff up on Dropbox. And then the other nice thing is that like if I have multiple computers, it's going to pull down all that stuff from Dropbox to those multiple computers. So that's automatically, you know, syncing between a bunch of different computers. That's yeah. That's actually another, another thing I really like. You could, you could set up, you could set up your, 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 say your final, uh, image folder and have it shared with say Nikki. And Mm -hmm. so all of your final images are always on Nikki's computer too. That's true. You know, they're that's up on the a, cloud and they're idea. on your yeah. computer or yeah. your friend's computer. I could have this shared with Craig or with you so that you, you know what I mean? All my stuff mm-hmm. is sitting, you know, you're basically giving me 20 gigs of space on your computer. Right. To, to have my stuff stored. Um, just with people that's, that you trust. Wow, that's actually another, that's a really cool way of looking at it. Yeah. Like you give me 20 gigs and I'll give you 20 gigs. Yeah. That's a great you idea. Know. Actually. Um, so th- there's, you know, there's that kind of thing. Now, I wish that I could set my own encryption password on Dropbox because you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Like, it's not like my pictures are state secrets or something like yeah, that. Yeah. If somebody I mean, you, you really hacked into codes. my Dropbox, I uses a password that's strong and this I don't use for anything else. So, you know, God forbid somebody broke in. Ooh, they got a high def picture of Malcolm Gladwell. You know, mm-hmm. great. Good for you. Uh, speaking of usage of images, wait, are we done with backup or do you want to keep going? Uh, I, you know, I think we're good. It's, it might be a discussion for, uh, maybe we can do a hangout and get people okay. questioning. I we're going to we, try and do a hangout this week, aren't we? I think, yeah. And I think we should do a, uh, uh, a full workflow episode. Maybe we'll do it next time. Okay. Um, 
Cause you know what else I, I want to talk about next time I think is like, I, I worked a lot on that Dave Hill picture lately that one of him up on. Oh yeah. The, the concert, fi- yeah. the concert and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it might be an interesting discussion, uh, more of a philosophical discussion of when do you stop? Uh, yeah, I think that's a great discussion to have. Yeah. So because I, there were several points during that build that you were like, okay, is it done? Yeah. Uh, no, it's not done. Let me do this. Let and actually this. I, I have another idea to do something better to it. So I may keep working on it, but, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that happens. So anyway, I think maybe it'll be part of that discussion too. Okay. And somebody wanted uh, me to talk through like how I shoot, like how I, what I do while I'm shooting. You know what I mean? Like, like with, a session start to yeah, finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which could be interesting too. Uh, but we got, but we got, we got plenty. Well, that too. Uh, we got plenty of other stuff to talk we're, about. We should, you know, we should think about that. We should put that out to the to the listeners too. We're maybe doing a little meetup somewhere, maybe New York sometime. Would that be fun? Yeah. Well, you're you're you may come in a few months, right? It, well, hopefully sooner than that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so somewhere, uh, you know, maybe we can yeah find I'm, a find a space. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki will be with me. Yeah, but she comes to visit me all the time. <laughs> uh, and there it is. Where were we? We were. We, we, uh, I, I was going to change the subject, and then I missed it. Yeah, you were going to change the subject. Uh, we're done with backup for now. Okay. Uh, what's next? I I don't remember where we were going to go. I don't know. We want to want to talk about that Carl Beal email. Yes. Because you and I have had, there's been some discussions on the Google Plus thing and some posts we've made, some comments uh, about uh, us talking about gear and people calling us out on it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a distinction to be made about what we're talking about. Uh, You, you, because you, you know, you've got your Fuji thing that you like. Yes. I've got my X-Pro, which I love. Um. And you put up a picture of how nice the file was at 6,400. Yeah. We, Which we I think out. is a reasonable thing to do when you first get a camera and you're messing around. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm still very much in learning the camera mode. I'm, I'm learning how focus works on this particular camera because there are some quirks to be had, uh, especially using the optical viewfinder. Those of you who have X-Pros, you know what I'm talking about. Where You, you, you will, know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, you. Uh, hey, I'm talking <laughs> to you, X-Pro owners. Uh, you, you focus using one focus point and the field of view, because of the parallax from the optical viewfinder to the lens, the field of view is, is going to be a little different than what you see, and the focus point will actually shift. So you've got to learn, and that changes based on if your subject is close or far away. Okay. It's, it's more dramatic close up than it is far away. So I'm, I'm learning these little quirks and, and, and things about the camera, but I'm, I'm, I'm still very impressed at what it does in low light. So yeah, I was shooting, uh, at night at 6,400 just to kind of play around with it, see what happened and, and was really impressed. I shot this little neon sign, uh, and, uh, was impressed with the level of detail and, uh, something that you noticed when I first got it was how, how really nicely the, the, the highlights fall off. Yeah. Uh, it's yes, you can blow things out, but even when you do that roll off is very nice. And I commented about it and posted a little photo on, on, uh, Facebook and, and somebody had commented about, you know, it, it 
basically saying it, it really is about gear and, and, you know, the people that believe that it's not about gear are kind of delusional. And I, I think that's a little much. So we wanted to talk a little bit about, about qualifying gear versus technique and gear versus non-gear and that kind of thing. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that right there is a good point. Like even, um, when we were talking about uh, my shoot I had today, that black and white shoot with the background and the whole thing, like, yes, I was talking about technique and yes, I was talking about settings on things and that kind of stuff. But knowing your technique and understanding what things your camera does and the limits of your camera and the limits of your lights and that kind of stuff, that is all well within the range of things that you and I think are important. Sure. But, because you would be looking at those things regardless of the camera that's in your hand. Yes, right. And those things are very important. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing how to take pictures, uh, um, knowing how to take, uh, how do I put this? Knowing how to get what kind of pictures you want to get out of your camera is, is and, and how to control your camera, you know, what, what everything does. That stuff's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as important what camera you use to do that. And, you know, one of the things that I said, I mean, even yesterday, one of the guys who was um, the, one of the lighting guys there says, you know, what are you shooting with? And I said, oh, it's a 5D Mark III. And, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, my brother-in-law's got one of those. He's, you know, but I, I'm, I'm a Nikon guy. And I said, yeah, you know, they're great, you know. I said, I, I personally don't like Nikon cameras. I just don't like the way they feel in my hands. I don't like the way the shutter button is like, I just, they just feel alien to me, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not to say that I couldn't use somebody else was saying to me, they're just like, you know, whatever camera you put in my hands, I'll, I'll make with it. It's like, yeah, I mean, obviously if I was on a desert Island and all I had was a Nikon or a Sony, whatever, I take pictures with that and I could, you know, and I'd get used to it, but there's a certain amount of like, you know, if you tend to drive German cars, somebody puts you in a, in a, in a Nissan, it's going to feel odd. You know, mm-hmm. just to, to, they just handle differently. You know, it's not sure. saying that one is better than the other. Um, but the, there, but there is a lot to say, in my opinion, about how it feels in your hands, you know, how comfortable you feel holding that camera to do whatever it is you have to do. I completely agree. hundred you know, percent. Which is why I like my Leica, which is why I like my Hasselblad, which is why I tend to use my Canon cameras because they, they just fit my hand better. Um, and I like, I, I know, I know the kind of results much in the same way that I know what a 85 millimeter lens or a 28 millimeter lens is going to look like. I know the field of view. I know the picture through the viewfinder before I pull the eye up my camera up to my eye in the same way. Uh, I, I think that that's, it's the same thing with my camera. I know what my camera is going to get when I look at the screen, I know how much information I have in that raw file. You know, I know Mm -hmm. how much I can pull those highlights back. I know whatever. Um, and so it's that, that means a lot to what I then do in that shoot and how I interact with the subject. And I'm not worried about the camera as much because I know its limitations or I know what it's going to do. And I think that that is a big part of it. Having it be comfortable for you is a huge part of why you would choose one camera over the other, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, Sw- it's, switching, it's, getting rid of putting all of that aside just to get like one more stop of dynamic range or, or a quarter stop of dynamic range and slightly less noise here or there or whatever it is, is, is insane to me. Yes. You know, unless, unless what you do so desperately involves 
that one quarter stop or half stop of dynamic range or whatever, whatever it is you're, you're getting in return, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some sort of scientific kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Great. You know, where that data matters, but for the average person, crazy to me. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that there is something to be said about the way a camera feels in your hand and it's, and it's the way any tool feels in your hand. Look, I mean, if you're a, if you're a carpenter and you're used to using a 16 ounce hammer and somebody hands you a 20 ounce hammer, it's going to feel weird. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> I've heard that. My, my father used to sing that song for some reason. <laughs> Go ahead. Moving on. <laughs> I, I kicked yeah. you off your flow, didn't I? So you, you kind of did. So, <laughs> so if, if you handed Jesus a different hammer, then he would have, no, you know, it, it, it's, I, I, when I first bought my D 300, I had looked at everything in my price range and that's the one that felt the best in my hand. Right. And, you know, w- was the Mark II a better camera? Maybe on some level was the D seven, wh- whatever, what, to your point, yes, you're going to, there are trade-offs, but it really does want to just be an extension of you. Because if I have to, if I have to fight with how I hold the tool that I'm trying to use, then I'm not going to use it as effectively as I could. Yeah. You I know? also and think, it, go ahead. Well, I was going to my, I, I showed my camera to my dad and, and I, I've got one of the little thumbs plus um, thumb grips on it. And, uh, he was like, now what's this little thing? And I, and I said, well, you know, hold the camera with it now, hold it without it. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I like it much better with it. So in, you know, he, he asked me, he's like, now what do these little things run? And I told him, he's like, oh, that's seems like a lot of money. Yeah. But hold the camera without it. Yeah. You True. know, and if, you know, amortize that hundred and whatever dollar cost of the, of that, of that uh, accessory over the life of your camera. And if it allows you to not have to think about, gosh, I really wish I had someplace to put my thumb every shot, then right. it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so I guess there's, there's a distinction between, again, there's a distinction between gear and technique or technical things. There are technical things out there. There are technical limitations of cameras, but I think that it, it is very, very rare that it's actually a technical limitation of the gear that you have that is stopping you from getting whatever it is that you want. I, I'm I actually think that that really, situation is incredibly rare. Yeah, I'm 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 really enjoying this, and I'm calling it kind of a discovery process. I'm I'm enjoying the discovery of of seeing what this camera will do. Uh, now, the other thing that I'm I'm doing it's is your new I'm not, girlfriend. You're in that stage where you're just I'm, talking all the time on the yeah, phone. Yeah. Uh, I'm not looking at the back of the camera when I shoot. I've got all the previews off. Mm-hmm. So there's, I'm treating it as much as I can as a digital film camera. I don't look at the, the things that I've, that I've shot until I get home. And sometimes I get them. Most of the time I don't, but sometimes I get the, the things that I was after. But there's this, this idea that if I didn't get it, I have to go out and try again. Which is good. Yeah. I love that part of it. Well, that's you. I mean, you've always been a big fan of the process. Even when you were deciding on this camera in the first place, you went to the store to hold all these cameras a number of times. Yes, it's not like you just read a review and ordered it from Amazon. No, I went and I went and felt how the OMD EM5 felt in my hand. I looked at you know all of the the, the Canon offerings. I looked at the Nikon offerings, and this thing. And and to be to be clear, this is not what you would call an ergonomic camera. I mean, it's, you know, it's like your Leica. It's a block of metal. 
Right. But but there's something, you know, to, except Japanese and not German. Yeah, right. There's something about taking it out of the bag and it feels cold to the touch. Yeah, it's cool. You know, that that part I don't of it, get that from my camera. Yeah, that part of it fires me up about it. And if that's what it takes to get me excited yeah. about making pictures, then that was the right tool for me. Well, let me just ask you this. When yeah. you pick up that camera, does it light an atomic bomb of photography <laughs> madness photography in your brain? madness in my brain? It, it really does. It really, <laughs> it really does. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. I like it. I think I'm, I'm very proud of you. Yeah, thanks. No, it's, it's been fun. It's, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm taking the craft of photography seriously again. And I look around me and I see... I see a lot of photographers getting caught up in a lot of ancillary things to actually making pictures. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, there's a lot of talk about, Oh, you know, free photography is killing the industry and the amount of new photographers that's killing the industry. And you know, all you sound like when you say things like that is, is Jack Valenti saying that the VCR is going to kill the film industry. That's all you sound like. Yeah. And where are we now? And where are we now? Film industry. It's right. <laughs> you know, so it, it, look, get a, do whatever you need to do about getting excited about making pictures and go out and make pictures. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, one other like little thing that I, I just had from a few weeks ago, you know, we, there's, there's also a discussion that we have about <clears throat> Uh, there being meaning in how you how something is created, and some people say it doesn't matter; it's all about the final result. You know. Yes. Yeah, uh, we've had that discussion. Yeah, and I just it, it I was thinking about that scene just as like a little addendum to that. Uh, I was thinking about that scene in Saving Private Ryan where uh, who's the who's the actor who does that uh, with the dirt? I don't know where. Oh, uh, what is that guy's name? He was in Pearl Harbor too. Tom Sizemore. Sizemore, yeah. yeah. Uh, when he lands on the beach after the battle, he pulls out a little like tin can and he digs up some of the dirt on the beach and he, he puts it in his bag with a label on it saying mm-hmm. like Normandy. And he has another one for like each of the places that he's landed just to fight war. Like this guy's a professional soldier, has been doing it for years, has been all, the, or all over the place. And it kind of reminds me to say, you know what? It eventually... Uh, yeah, those are just going to be these cans sitting on top of a mantle at his house when he's 80 years old. Right. You know what I mean? Is those are just going to be cans full of dirt. You know, what what gives them meaning is the fact that this guy picked them up when he landed there for war. Right. So what he went through to get them. Exactly. Not, not, not the object itself. Right. And I think that it doesn't mean that meaning that, that, that the process of creating always imbues art with meaning. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you can't have art that just, just came out one night when you were messing around. That mm-hmm. is genius. Uh, never happened to me, but, but you know, it sh- certainly can happen. They're, they're not, you know, that, that sometimes they're exclusive and sometimes they're, they go together, you know, uh, sometimes you need the peanut butter and the chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you do. And I, so I think the people who talk about like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, some things wouldn't matter at all if it wasn't for the process that went into making them. Some art well, look, would, 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 would ha- wouldn't have any meaning without it. Maybe 
uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. You, you got me this, this uh, uh, Dan Winter's book, and I'm, I'm looking through this. I've been looking through it for the past week and a half now. D- and Dan who? Dan who? Yeah. Dan who? Uh, and I'm looking at, at these photographs, and I know that, that now making photographs like this is approaching second nature for Dan Winter's or Greg Heisler, or any of these guys that have been doing it for a long time, right? Yep. But it was only, it's only because they did it for a long time is it now not a struggle. Right. True. Right? Although, it's funny, I think they still do struggle. Well, I'm sure they do, but I don't think it's like, well, now what do I do? You know, I think right. it's now more, how do I do this? Yeah. What, you know, it, it's, it's well, what not am a I question, trying to accomplish? Yeah. It's not a question of, of how do I light this? It's how do I want to light this? Yes. And I think, and I that, think those that, are different. I think that that is the case with, uh, with, you know, jobs and shooting and cameras stuff in general. It's just like you get to the point where it's not about this, or at least the settings and those things aren't really, they don't really matter. They only matter in so much as what you're trying to do is take the picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, even the pictures I took this morning, I mean, they're fine. They match this thing that I was supposed to match well enough, you know, uh, with a little gerrymandering in, in Photoshop or Lightroom, they could be dead on matches to whatever it is that I was supposed to shoot before. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's just, yeah, no, it's interesting that sometimes the meaning matters. Sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't mean that it always doesn't or that it doesn't matter to the, to the, to the viewer, you know? Sure. Sure. Uh, I just don't, I, my whole thing with, I just don't think that art should require a label in order to be understood. If it does, I think there's something. Well, and you, you know, you've, you've said that before and I, I'm kind of on the fence with you on this because I do think that, that narrative, that narrative can give meaning where it wasn't obvious. I guess my problem with it is that nine times out of 10, it's just art school pretension in the label. It's much of blah, 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 blah. Inherit the human struggle of blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> man versus society on exactly. his quest for blah, blah, yeah, blah, that, blah. That kind of stuff, right? That's, yeah. that's what it feels like way more times out of 10 than it should. Um, and, and, and if that's supposed to fix the failings of whatever it is we're talking about, then I have a problem with that, you know? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think for a lot of the work that I've been looking at lately, it's a, it's a lot of new people, a lot of people that, you know, yeah, I like, I like some of the, the established photographers, but I, I'm seeing a lot of work from a lot of younger photographers who are posting a lot of the behind the scenes stuff of how they're getting there, whether it's designing the sets, whether it's building costumes, whether it's doing their own makeup, any of this kind of stuff. And that's the part for me that, that, that really, kind of kicks it up a notch in terms of how much I appreciate what they're doing. Sure. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start building my own sets. I think you should. I think you should build like a castle. Somebody mentioned on that, that Dave Hill picture that I must've gotten a smoke machine. (laughs) You've been meaning to, I have been meaning to, I did just as an answer. I did not get a smoke machine. Um, the smoke that's like sort of hovering for the first couple feet on the stage is actually, uh, funny enough is actually food coloring in water backlit uh inverted and desaturated see there you go 
So it's, it's something, so it's what, not smoke Whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to do to get the image, right? Yeah. Except, yeah. except pull it from video. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> wait, the, the front of the stage is actually the back of a uh, bench in the subway station. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's, let's get to that story after we talk about our favorite people. Our favorite people? Yeah. Squarespace. Yeah. Man. Squarespace. I hear, I, I hear tell, Bill. Yeah. What's that? That it's everything you need to make an exceptional website. <laughs> it's is, true. Is it true? is. I think that it is. I like the new the new tagline too. It says "Honest prices, no surprises." Yeah, I like yeah. that too. So, obviously, we've talked about Squarespace before. Uh, you guys, a lot of you have actually gone and started accounts on Squarespace because of us talking about it, which we think that, is did, great. Now, who told you this? Did did little Ryan tell you this? That people are, are apparently we're getting great engagement from our people, but I know that a number of people have sent us emails sending saying like, "Oh, I started building a site, and here it is." Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, Squarespace is a great place to build your website. You've got web hosting, and you got your templates and your whole CMS, your content management system. The software behind that runs everything uh, is 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 part of the price. Uh, you can, you can build these things, drag and drop a lot more easily and their templates are great. They're like nice and clean and open and they show off your work without having to fight with them too madly. Yeah. You know what it is? They let your work be the star, not their, their whiz bang interface. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Not their podcast partner trying to be the star. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look, I went and shot a news reporter. <laughs> Look at me. Um, but the, you, you know what's... <laughs> Nice. The nice. I love that it took a minute to sink in. Yeah. The the nice thing about uh, Squarespace, you know, they have a new thing. So yeah, there's these templates. They're beautiful, clean, nice. Yes, they're responsive all the way down to a cell phone. Yes, you can import your blogs from other WordPress or or Tumblr or what have you. Uh, And you can export stuff out to the social media. You can set up Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Yes, all that stuff is true. But wait, there's more. There is more, and it's super cool. They're e-commerce, so they just added an e-commerce function. Yeah. So for $24 a month, if you buy pay annually, not only do you get like unlimited pages and galleries and all that and unlimited bandwidths and all, all the stuff that you get with the $16 a month package. Unlimited contributors too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so you can have a bunch of different people writing for your blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also uh, get a full e-commerce, integrated e-commerce package. So... You can you can sell physical objects. So if you are selling prints, you can have people order. It does payment through what's the company called? Uh, uh, it's it's, it's not, not Stripe. It's I think it's Stripe. Okay, uh, payments through uh, credit cards, and then it sends you a thing that says so and so bought a print, and then you go print out the print and you send it to him. You can do physical stuff like that. You can also sell digital objects. You can sell eBooks and stuff through them. Hey now. And it deals with all that. That's a good idea. Yeah. It even deals with inventory tracking. So if I say this is an addition to five prints, it'll tell me when, you know, won't let you buy one after five of them are sold, right? A lot better than a lot of the other kind of things. You can actually even set up coupon controls. You could do taxes and shipping options all in there. Um, I I love the, uh, I started playing with building out Wadman editions on Squarespace last week. I haven't, I've just been busy shooting, so I haven't finished it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna set this all up and use this as my my new uh, e-commerce solution. You know we should we should do uh, we should do an ebook, Bill. We do need to. We we've been talking about this for months now. We sh- we should do an ebook and uh, and 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 sell it up there on Squarespace. 
I think we should just to, even if just to test. Yeah. Yeah. What's a good price for an ebook? Have you figured that out? I don't know. They did. There are some ebooks that are $5. There's a $10 price point. Like uh, the craft and vision stuff is all five. Right. Trey Ratcliffe, his, his flat books are all 10. Yeah. 10. It's, it's New Zealand dollars. No, it's, it's us dollars. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it, I think it depends. I, okay. I think between five and 10 is a nice, you know, five to eight. I think that's a nice right. sweet spot. Uh, so anyway, if you, if you, if you want to sell anything, you want to sell prints, you want to sell, uh, uh, eBooks, all that kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff photographers would sell. I guess you could even sell like a package, right? You could say a portrait package. Absolutely. That's X amount of dollars. Like go yeah. sell it and have people pay right there. Uh, and so it's just, it's crazy handy. Uh, even has a mobile store built in so people can go shop on their phones. Uh, Squarespace, uh, th- they've been a great supporter of ours, and, and we think that their work is fantastic. So for $24 a month, you can go, uh, you can have a whole store in your thing. But don't don't take our word for it. Go try it out for two weeks. If you go to squarespace.com slash OTP, you will get, uh, uh, you can go tr- set up an account, try it out for two weeks, see if you like it. And uh, if you like it after two weeks and you want to buy, uh, use the code OTP3 because it's March and you will get uh, 10% off your order. Yeah. Uh, we we are huge fans of theirs. So uh, squarespace.com slash OTP. OTP3 is the coupon code. Uh, Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. And uh, we thank them for their support. Uh, okay. What's next? What do we got on the thing here? Well, I think it was, was it last week or a week before that we talked about this this emerging it's not even a trend really, but this emerging idea of of pulling stills from video. Uh it was yeah, at least two, three, four weeks ago. Okay. So uh, uh big time photographer is JP it really Morgan. Really an emerging emerging trend? See, I don't know. I think I Wait, think JP Morgan, does he own a bank too? That's right. <laughs> And you know what? He earns it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a different company, but okay, keep going. But okay, uh, yeah. So he he got a hold of a of a one DC, a Canon one DC, right? And and set up this shoot, set up kind of a rain shoot uh, to see what the deal was in terms of of quality, what you're able to pull out of video. And I think it's it, yeah, it's not really a trend, but. I think that as as 4K video becomes more affordable, you're going to see more people attempt it. Okay, sure. Um, but what he found was here's the thing: if you if you shoot at a high enough shutter speed to get reasonable stills of moving objects, and we're talking you know a hundredth, hundred twenty fifth of a second or yep. greater, then your your video ends up looking choppy. Sure. Yeah. Now, if you want everything to look like a fight scene out of Gladiator or the Normandy scene out of Saving Private Ryan, then great. But for normal video, you're going to be you're going to need to be shooting at a at a much lower so shutter. He's speed. saying if you were working to shoot just stills, maybe if you're just maybe. using available light. But obviously, you're not shooting full video with strobes. So, but if you're you, using, if, why do you want to shoot? I mean, yeah, right. But if you're trying to do video and stills, you're looking for a world to hurt if anything's moving. Yeah, I mean, he he did this whole shoot, and they said, look, it's it's still enormously time consuming right. number 1 yep. and and you're throwing away a lot of images that end up having motion blur on them because you're trying remember you're trying to capture a still within a motion stream right 
Yeah. So I don't, I just, it just seems like there's a lot of, there's a lot of advertising dollars and a lot of like the hype machine is gearing up to, to make this seem like the next big thing. It kind of feels and, like a H, uh, 3d TVs. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah really all does. the TVs are 3d's, but like, who cares? Who wants 3d yeah. TV at home? Yeah. I, I don't care. Um, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of like, it's a solution, uh, looking for a problem. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, it just, it seems very odd to me. And, and, you know, and this is just the technical side of it. This is not even getting into the sort of philosophical side of look, photography, in my opinion, is about choosing a moment. Yep. Period. It's about But deciding. Jeffrey, you can choose that moment after the fact. <sighs> I tend to agree. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's my line. <laughs> According to the Google Plus community is my line. That's hey, right. You are, can we just say that the Google Plus community is doing great? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, it's amazing. We, uh, we have added a uh, – we have a bunch of people – Every what we another fifty people added this week, yeah, uh, which is great, and uh, keep it coming. Uh, it's getting to the size where it's like kind of living on its own, which is which is very nice for us. Yeah, and, and everyone's very say, respectful and making good comments. Yeah, some of the work being posted is is hugely inspiring. For yeah, me. I like that shot of the 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 branches and the the stuff through the snow. I like that a lot. Yep, yep. Great, uh, shot. great shot. I, and I like we were talking about it just before the show the 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 yellow uh, truck. Yep. With the with the the power lines and the and the fire hydrant, I really like that shot a lot. Although yeah. I agree with you, I think could have tilted down just a little bit. Pan down just a little bit, have a little bit more below, a little less on the top. It's about the truck and the hydrant. It's not about the power lines. But yeah, or back up a little bit and have it a little wider if you want to get it all in. Uh, but yeah, really cool shot. Good stuff. Uh, so yeah, so if you want to go uh, check that out, go to, um, go search for on taking pictures on Google plus, or we'll have the, the link in the show notes. Uh, cause it's a stupid long link cause it's Google. Uh, but you'll find it. I think it's, uh, it's bitly B I T dot L Y slash O T P group. Okay. Is the, is the shortened version of it. Oh, okay. Well then great. You can do it that way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, go check that out. Anyway, it's, sorry for the little aside. Uh, no, you're, no, you're not. Amazing, amazing work. <laughs> hey, uh, what else did we get in the email? Uh, Paul today? sent something about paper, um, archival yeah. paper. He was, he was talking to Red River, our friends who at we, Red River. Who we paper. love, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, because the San Gabriel semi-gloss is amazing. Yes, it is. It's great for black and white. I'm not a fan for the color, but I'll take it for black and white. I like something a little more coated for color. You know, a couple yeah, weeks ago, I went, I went to the, I went to that <laughs> Heisler, uh, show exhibit thing, uh, opening a few weeks ago. Would and that be Greg Heisler? Yes. That'd be, that'd be the G man. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it, it was, it was an Ilford paper sponsored thing. So all of his prints were printed on Ilford paper. There were signs on the wall that said, please touch me. Wait, and I was wait, like, what? really? They wanted you to touch the prints. Huh. Which is the exact opposite of any other situation like that in the entire world, you know? Yeah. It was kind of like it was it was kind of like there was an outlet on the wall and a fork sitting next to it and it said, "Please insert." No, wait, were, were they C prints or are these These were inkjet prints, prints on Oh, wow. Big inkjet prints. Huh. Like, you know, big Epson 9600 inkjet prints. Um and the 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 point I wanted to make is that like the the stuff there were black and whites on the matte paper. And it's great, but if the minute you go stick it next to uh, black and white on the glossy paper, it's like night and day. 
Really? Difference. Yeah. I mean, well, for me, it's just like the the contrast and the darkness of the blacks is like no contest. Get the coated paper for me. Um, so anyway, Paul wrote in, it wrote to Red River and CC'd us just to find out which of their papers were best for that kind of stuff for archiving. Right. And they came back with, with the somewhat the, the stock answer, which is that the matte papers and the fine art papers, the uncoated papers, if used with pigment inks, uh, are the best way to go that all their papers are acid free, uh, that there's a small amount of stuff in the coatings of the coated papers, so like the glossy papers and the satin papers, right? Because like the optical brighteners or something. Yeah, well, it has apparently it has to do with uh, they they make them somewhat the coating somewhat acidic to acidic or basic or so, there's some kind of chemical in there that makes it dry faster. Hmm. Interesting. And apparently almost all, or if not all coded papers do the same thing. So it's not like they're different than other right, people. Right. Um, hey, are, are there any commercial or I guess consumer level printers that are printing with, with dye anymore? Are they all pigment? Have they all gone to pigment? Uh, no, no, no. You mean like for photo printers people are buying? Yeah. You still have to pay for pigment. You can get dye printers. Canon still makes a dye printer. I think all, all the cheaper Epson printers are still, you know, all the ones below say the 2400 or whatever it is. Uh, or the 1800 or whatever. Uh, once you get into below 13 inches, they're almost exclusively dye. Really? Yeah. But the dye printers have gotten a lot better. There's some like HP and Canon dye printers that'll go for 30, 40 or 50 year prints, you know, so supposedly, although they can't test them for that long, you know, I mean, there's ways they can speed it up. But I mean, the idea is that like, if you're printing on these matte papers or even on the other papers, the glossier papers, and you're keeping them under glass and you're keeping them out of direct sunlight, they're still going to last for decades. You right. know? No picture is going to last forever. Uh, yes, there's silver halide prints from the turn of the last century or the 1800s that are still good, but I don't think they look the same as when they came out of the out of the dark room. You know, right? They've shifted. Uh, but I just thought it would be it would just an interesting thing to share with everyone that you know if you want it to last forever, uh, matte paper is the way to go because there's less chemicals, there's less stuff. Uh, if you get good paper and you stick it in a box and you keep it at a certain temperature and low humidity, you know, it's going to last longer than you are. You know. Yeah. That, well, and that's but that's you know the other but that's thing, true of a Polaroid when it comes to you. So yeah. Um, hum- <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? I do see. What you did there. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, my glass plates still hold up, man. (laughs) (laughs) My my glass plate yearbook picture. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is humidity. I mean, I know a lot of people who stick photos out in their garage and you might, you might, yeah, you might think it's, you know, you know, people do. Uh, You might think it's safe because it's in a box, but the temperature and humidity variations that that go on are going to do just as much damage as direct sunlight. True. Yeah. So different damage. Yeah. But, but damage nonetheless. Yeah. And then there's also the weird thing where somebody, I was reading a, a archival art, uh, an article and they were talking about how having like C prints in a box, having them in the darkness makes them start shifting in one direction and having them in the sun makes it shift in the other direction. Right. 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 So it's like, you can't, you can't win. No. These things are the minute they come off the printer, the minute you pick them up from a printer, they are decaying. It's just how long they're going to take to decay, whether that's, you know, years or decades or centuries, you know. You know and, why that is, Bill? Why? Because the universe is entropy. Oh, I like entropy. I like the concept of entropy, but it depresses me. 
<laughs> the idea that everything's always just crumbling. There's everything's, nothing you can do about it. There's nothing. Because then I just picture myself when I get to your age in 30 or 40 <laughs> years. and I think about how I can't stand up. My knees hurt. I know. Uh, you, tennis ball falls off your walker. What are you supposed to do? You know, I, I'll tell you, I, the past <laughs> few days that I've been shooting, I've been carrying backpacks of my camera little backpack and you know but still weighs you know 15 pounds or something and then another backpack with some speed lights and some stands or whatever and i get home at the end of the day and i know that i should go to the gym but i feel like i've already worked out from carrying these things around for two miles you know right. that i'm just like oh can i not go to the gym now because i've already done that today nice <laughs> um anyway just a little thing uh, uh well what's next Two things that kind of fit together. Uh, one was chocolate was and peanut butter. Chocolate and peanut butter. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey and Bill. That's right. Yeah. That's like peas and carrots. Yeah. Uh, so we we got this email from from Nick or no? I guess it wasn't an email. It was in the the G plus group. Yeah. Uh, uh, about yes. putting rates on a web on your website. Yep. Do you put do you put your weights your rates on the on the site? And that kind of dovetails into how much certain photographer mm-hmm. or photographic institutions, I guess, are paying their photographers. So let's start with, you want to start with the email? Well, I, I don't work for less than five figures. So, um, it's why you're home most of the time doing the show with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess there's two things here, right? Nick is worried about when people come to him to ask him, uh, how much things cost. He kind of feels weird. It seems saying anything because, a lot of these people can't afford what he would say. Is mm-hmm. that fair? Is that a fair? It's fair. Sure. I think, I think Nick is not alone in, in that, you know, right. I think a lot of photographers are, look, you love my work or, you know, I can do a great job. And, and then it's, it's that money conversation is always the last one that you, that you want to have because where by and large we are at in society is people shop on price. Right. Right. For everything. Yep. Uh, right. I've gotten to the point where I don't, unless it's my idea, I don't work for free. That's, mm-hmm. that's my new, that's my rule of the past year or so. You know, somebody comes to me and they're like, I need a headshot for such and such. It's like, well, we can't pay you. It's like, well, then I'm not doing it for you. Like I'm not, right. I'm not taking time and doing my craft so that you can get free stuff, you know? Uh, and, and there should be some sort of exchange. If it's not money, then there should be some other, in my opinion, some other form of exchange because, Jeffrey, that's illegal in most states. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what goes on in Southern California, but that doesn't play here in the Northeast. That's right. Uh, I, I think you you want to establish value to your work, and whether it's whether it's you know trading for promotion or or uh, taking a, a discounted rate, something needs to change hands because your work is worth something. Yes. True. Uh, I mean, some people, you know, there are people I shoot who, uh, who have big public personas and like, I'll, I'll come up with an idea and we'll take pictures and we'll, you know, get to know each other and then they'll use them on Twitter and Facebook or whatever it is. And I'm fine with them doing that for as long as they're, you know, give me credit and talk, you know, say, Oh, look at this great picture by Joe Schmo, you know? Right. Um, but the minute they want to use it for, oh, I want to buy my author photo for my new book or I want to use it for whatever, it's like, okay, well, then I 
I'd like us to come up with some sort of compensation that makes sense. As if you right. hired me as a photographer, you almost get the shoot for free. Now, you know that you like the pictures. Okay. Now pay for the pictures. Right. Um, See, and, and okay. That's, that's kind of why I, I mean, but to that's Nick's a different, point, that's a difficult discussion to do in general. Yes. Um, I, I think to, to Nick's point, putting your rates on the website can effectively shut down, in my opinion, can shut down the conversation with, with you as a photographer before it even begins. Because the, the, the person looking at it can already make up their mind. If you don't charge enough, then you, you're probably not good enough. And if you charge too much, then I can't afford you. Um, yes, I, tend, I agree with you and I understand what you're saying. The flip side of that, the, the, the counter argument, which I've had with myself before is if I don't put prices on my website and I just say, I'm available for whatever it is. Somehow that feels like there's a wall up because people have no idea what I'm going to charge. Mm-hmm. What now, about I, I don't have maybe- prices on my website because my prices do very much depend on. I mean, I have standard prices for what I do, but but you know, th- there's uh, there's a very large gray area. I'd rather sure. work than not work. You know, the thing I did today was about half my normal rate for what I did, but. You know, I don't have to do post on these images. I'm handing them over to somebody else. Okay, there's a little safe there. And then, you know what? I did nothing else to do this morning. So, yeah, let's take the shoot. Now, I wonder if there's room to say, you know, sessions starting at X. Yeah, and that that like lowers the thing. But then, you know, if you say, let's say you say $500, right? The, the, and then you meet with the person and then they're, you're like, oh, no, it's going to be $1,000. And then they go, wait a minute, I thought it was 500. You know, there's a problems either way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a certain amount of arguably there's a certain amount of professionalism involved in saying, this is my menu, right? Here are my rates that, 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 that you're standing up and saying, this is what I'm worth. And this is mm-hmm. what you will pay if you want me to do my job. And there's a certain, uh, uh, people trust that, you know what I'm saying? Like right. if, if you're, if you're coming out and you're saying, this is what I cost, it's like, oh, okay, well that's what they cost. And I don't know that everyone comes and looks at that and says, oh, well that's too much. Or I don't know. They may say, oh, well, you know, like when you go to your dentist, you're not, you know what, it, you know, how much is this going to cost? And they tell you, you don't go, oh, well I'm going to go to another dentist and have it done. You generally just have to pay the dentist, you know? Right. Um, so I don't I, know. I mean, I, I look at a lot of photographers websites and i i can't think of one off the top of my head that includes any rate a lot of other portrait than, and wedding photographers do okay um but like you know big photographers that we talk about like as photographer of the week i doubt it you know mm-hmm. i don't on mine and i never have but mine is as much a i have the same problem that nick has where you know i know that i'm good and i know that my my work is worth a certain amount, but sometimes I have a hard time standing up and saying that with a stuntorian voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stentorian. I, I mean, I, and, and I, I get, I get that. You understand? But I don't know. I, I think that's a psychological issue of mine though. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the dialogue is important and I think that, Putting putting prices out. I guess it depends on the type of photography, really. I mean, now now that I think about what you're saying, because wedding wedding shooters are going to have, you know, there are so many variables 
that I think maybe it, it is important to say, look, for this package, you get, you know, you get these things, you get four hours of coverage, you get, you know, a CD or a DVD or whatever. I, I don't know. I, it, I, can, I can see where it would be. Headshot photographers generally have dead rates too, mm-hmm. you know? It also, I mean, for somebody like me, a lot of it has to do with usage, right? So, well, see, and that's the other thing is you're shooting people. You're 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 not shooting as many people off the street as you are shooting people who are in some sort of position of note, who are yeah. going to use it outside the purview of of right. where I would use something. I'm not I'm not taking pictures that somebody prints out and sticks on their mantle or gives to their mother, and that's all. Right. You're saying, okay, we're going to use this in 4 million copies of this new book. And so what's, what's that rate? Or we're going to use this for three years over the course of, exactly. Yeah. You have unlimited use of this for two years for, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. So your thing, I mean, you can't really put any sort of rate because there are so many variables. True. True. I, I, yeah. And I, I mean, I have, again, I have ideas in my head of what things cost, but it doesn't always match up. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and and that kind of gets us to this this other thing. Uh, there's a Tumblr blog called "Who Pays Photographers." Yeah, somebody put this in the sent it to us. Yeah, and uh, and the problem with this is that it doesn't seem like anybody pays photographers anything. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of shocking how yeah. how little. Uh, for example, Houston Chronicle, hundred fifty dollars per assignment, no mileage. Yep. Fi- uh, photographer it's maintains copyright but they retain unlimited usage rights forever. Yep. Uh, the Guardian UK, $400 day rate. Poland newspaper, $26 full day of work. Total loss yeah. of copyright. Expenses not covered. Uh, an ESPN, here's a, a photographer, says, an ESPN producer found a stock image on my website that I shot a few years back. He wanted to use it in a TV show. The offer, $0. Wait, wait, say that again? Who was this? An ESPN producer, oh, ESPN producer found a stock image on my website that I shot a few years that back. Terrible. He, he wanted to use it in a TV show. The offer, $0. And you say no, right? Yeah. You have to be able to walk away. You know, the other day, that picture I took of the guy bending backwards with the tea kettle getting thrown over his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ended up in like this weird, it's like a weird Facebook meme. meme. Yeah, yeah. Like one of those things where it's a picture and then uh, it was like Matrix Home Edition or something like that. And... Uh, it must've been some like 13 year old Indian kid who did it right. You know, this isn't, it's not like it was some big website or whatever it is. Somehow it got spread. There were thousands of people spreading it around Facebook. And the annoying thing is, is that they, they cloned out my little tiny, very subtle, uh, watermark in the lower right hand corner Nice with my name, uh, which is just like, that's just jerk jerk move. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and I, I wasn't that concerned about it. It's not like anybody was making money on it. But right. but Heather, Heather like, wrote – she got all uppity and heathery and Conrad. And she went and uh, uh, yelled at some of the guys, and they took it down and apologized. Nice. Like, I'd ever be able to find the per- person who did it, though, you know? Like, what am I going to do? So, anyway, yeah, it, people don't seem to pay a whole lot is what this says. Uh, I generally – most of these things, man, I, it, it would be hard to make a living. Uh, look at that. Uh, it would be hard to make a living paying the kinds of money that these people are paying. Yeah. Associated know. Press, standard day rate, $200. Yeah. Like, I don't know how somebody could make a living doing that. $200, that's like $40,000 a year if you worked every day. If you worked every day, yeah. Associated Press, uh, freelance stringer rate. $50 a photo. 
Eternal Man. loss of copyright. It is really hard to be a newspaper photographer. Yeah, that's a tough gig. Yeah. And getting worse because there's no staff guys anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, hopefully one of these things actually gets picked up. This is why yeah, this is I mean, I don't do a whole lot of uh, you see this little league portraits for non-publication, $100 to take 150 pick kids pictures, 75 cents a piece. Ugh. And you just <laughs> shoot and turn over the card Ugh. for five hours of work. No, thank you. No, thank you. I mean, I maybe there are places where people do that. Maybe some people listen to our show or working like that. I just, man, I'd rather go. That's like minimum wage job. You might as well go work at McDonald's. You well, and, and think about some of these guys that are shooting or, or trying to shoot for AP or, or you know, the agent, uh, the French agency, yeah. France Press. They're putting themselves in harm's way for a couple hundred bucks a day. Yeah. And, and you know, and you get to these things where I think a lot of that is sort of I want to be able to say that I shoot for The New York Times. And it's like, well, The New York Times is paying you $200 a day. It's like, okay, great. You're so-and-so and you work for the New York Times, but like, you know, I shoot for the New York Times. Well, yeah, but you can barely pay for your lunch. Right. Like that's, that's not work. I mean, I guess it's work, but it's just like, that's a sucky situation. It's not like the New York yeah. Times 40 years ago when maybe they paid a little bit more. Maybe, you know what? Maybe there's some old timers listening who worked for New York Times 40 years ago and can tell us that they didn't pay anything then too. Yeah. So I think a lot of it, that comes down to just trying to, you want a certain thing on your resume, you know? Yeah, New York Times right now, two fifty a day international, two hundred a day domestic. You know how much it costs to live in New York City? Quite a bit. Yeah. I would have to work for two weeks just to pay my rent without taxes taken out. You know? Yeah, it's, that's it's, not right. That's a tough game. Yeah. So you got you've gotta love it. Anyway. So, uh, good stuff there, Nick. Sorry, and you've got we don't to back a, up your stuff. <laughs> yeah, go back up your stuff so you don't lose it. God forbid you lose your images. Then you're never going to be able to sell them to anybody. Uh, all right, who's our photographer of the week? Photographer of the week, Robert Frank. Are you a big fan of Robert Frank? I am a big fan of Robert Frank. Um, I, 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 again, the context of Robert Frank's work helps make it more meaningful to me. Okay. What was going on in the world when he shot these things, where he was when he shot these things. Um, I think that that contributes to uh, what I really like about him. Um, you know, Robert Frank famously uh, shot the Americans, which is a book of, I think 83 images. Mm -hmm. uh, which he shot took on what? 700 and some odd rolls of film. Yeah. So basically, he went across the country over the course of uh, a couple of years, I think, a year. Nine-month journey. Nine months. And took pictures of all these people in America. He is not American. He's from France or Germany or Netherlands, maybe. I forget exactly. Um, and he took all these pictures of, of, of America and distilled this tons of rolls of pictures down to 83 images. Right. And, Shot 20, uh, 28,000, I think. 28,000 down to 83. Yeah. That's uh, getting close to monkeys typing Shakespeare there, but I'll just put that aside for the moment. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I saw, okay. Frank had a great quote, which I, I, I put in, I went to saw, see the Americans exhibit. They re-exhibited it at the Met a year and a half ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I went and I looked at it and it was great. And there was a good quote. And the quote said, um, when people look at my pictures, I want them to feel the way they do when they want to read a line of a poem twice. Nice. That's a great quote. That's a, that's a, that is a very good quote. Right. My thing is, is that, uh, he got, he says he got down from how many did you say? 28,000. Yes. He said he got down to a thousand and then he called that down to 83. So he's got a thousand selects, a thousand pictures that could make the cut. Right. So to me, it's like, if you spent, you know, years, months, a year driving around the country, shot tens of thousands of images I think anybody who listens to this show could probably come up with 83 images that were pretty great. You don't think Maybe. so? Maybe. But again, it was a subject matter. It was, it was time and place. Yes. I think, I think that, that you're right. I think that that's a big part of it. Uh, personally, I think that some of his stuff is uh, gets a little bit more credit than it should. And I'll probably okay. get in trouble for that. May, may I read you a, an, an Elliot Erwitt quote about Frank's work? Sure. Give me a little something. A little something. Here you go. Uh, quality doesn't mean deep blacks and whatever tonal range. That's not quality. That's a kind of quality. The pictures of Robert Frank might strike someone as being sloppy. The tone range isn't right and things like that. But they're far superior to the pictures of Ansel Adams with regard to quality because the quality of Ansel Adams, if I may say so, is essentially the quality of a postcard. But the quality of Robert Frank is a quality that has something to do with what he's doing, what's in his mind. It's not balancing out the sky to the sand and so forth. It's got to do with intention. Uh, I think that that is a great and meaningful quote. I, I don't think that his pictures are particularly amazing technically. And I don't think they're particularly terrible technically. I think they are great pictures. I think The Americans is a great collection. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very emotional photography. It taps into something beyond to, to, to Erwitt's credit, the tonal range of what's going on. It's not about, uh, black to white gradient. It's about what's going on in the photograph. Uh, yeah, no, there are, there are pictures, you know, like you said, it's that time and place, right? I think there's an argument to be made there. Same thing with, you know, Ache's pictures of Paris that we've talked about. Sure. Eggleston's color work in the 60s and sure. 70s. Lighter's New York. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I enjoy Saul Lighter early color more than I enjoy The Americans by Robert Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, I even like Larry Clark's Tulsa, which is upsetting to me watching people shoot up speed and with playing with guns. That that just seems like a bad time. Right. Um and I can understand how that was shocking or different at the time. When I look at Robert Frank stuff, maybe it's just because I'm looking at it from so many years in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't see how it's so shocking. I think there are a handful of photographs in the series that are amazing. Amazing. But I don't, I don't know. I just have you know, pers- I, my personal thing is just kind of like, okay, yeah, it's great. That was a great. That's a great comparison to Tulsa. I, because I, I remember the first time I saw that that collection of photographs, I was really disturbed by them. Yeah. I don't like looking at them. They freak me out. There's the, what was the, it's like the one kid. He's like, he looks like he's about 10 years old. He's got a gun in his mouth or something. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, yeah, the, the, like people shooting up in bathtubs and like, yeah, ugh, it was like stuff really, I just don't want to see. Yeah. Very disturbing. And I, and I wonder now that I think this through, I wonder if, if, if our reaction to, to Tulsa is similar to somebody's reaction in the 60s and 70s 
of or, or, or even earlier to Robert Frank's work because that was that was their turning point or that was okay. their. But I I don't well first of all, uh, Tulsa was taken not around the same time as this stuff right. It's like in the late fifties, I think, but, but, but just to put that aside for the moment, I don't think that it was, I don't think that the point of Robert Frank's, the Americans specifically, um, was about shocking people. I think it was about people seeing America for what it is, not what they thought it was. Okay. So I think it may have been shocking in the sense that it dispelled myths. Okay. That's fair. And I think that might have been what made it interesting to people and what makes it important. Uh, I think it's great. I just don't know that it, I, I don't have a copy of the Americans as a book personally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's good, you know, and I, I like them and I liked seeing them original prints and stuff, but it's, uh, it doesn't, it's, it's doesn't hold a place in my top 10, you know, but he's a very influential guy. I think yeah. Robert Frank's Americans photographs are the kinds of things that everyone thinks that they're going to take when they start taking photography. Hmm. That's actually kind of a neat quote. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a neat way to look at it. Yeah. Both, both, both from a contextual standpoint, as well as I think a lot of people that pick up a camera, they want to make that kind of impact not only on viewers, but on, they want to be the photographer's photographer. Exactly. You know, I, I want to be the guy that that, uh, you know, Seliger or, or Heisler or Winters goes, oh, you know what? You want to see a good portrait. This is yeah. the guy you go to. Yeah. You go to Sidoris. Yeah. Well, they're never going to. Right. But. but but I think there's something especially about well, <laughs> you I want to see this. a good neon sign at sixty four hundred ISO. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy you go to. Well, you know what it is? The other thing is that these are. I think it's the sort of quasi street, quasi reportage, quasi documentary, quasi art photography. You know, it's 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 trying to be all of those things at once. Sure. And it and it toes the line over of these things and I I it's almost a little too nebulous for me. Okay. Uh, I, but if I'm looking at them like which book would I rather have in this sort of in this realm? Yeah. I'd rather have uh, Eggleston's guide. Yes, me too. Yeah. Although, um, uh, yeah, well, that's a long conversation. But yes, Robert Frank uh, is good stuff and our photographer of the week. And we have, there's some links in the show notes. If you want to go to 5x5.tv slash OTP slash, what was this, 46? 46, yes. Uh, you can get to the show notes. And we're going to put, uh, we'll put a link to, there was a, your site faded and blurred had a Robert Frank spotlight and uh, I did a review on the Americans exhibit oh, yeah, put that a in. couple of years ago. I put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll put it in the, in the, uh, the, the, the in the uh, CMS, but uh, yeah, go check those out. Uh, all right. So how can get people get a hold of us, Jeffrey? Get a hold of us podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the show now at five by five dot TV slash OTP yep. as well as iTunes and, and, uh, you put the, there's the links iTunes. To, yep. There's yeah. links to iTunes there. So you can subscribe both places. Uh, if you'd like to, uh, leave us a review, we'd appreciate that over oh, yeah, on iTunes. Go, iTunes reviews. Go write one. Uh, you know, sh- you can share us with your friends. Yep. And, uh, Twitter. Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. Yep. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris 
And uh, you can also find us in the Google Plus group, which we'll put in the show notes Man, as well. we're all over the place. We're all over. And uh, one last time, voicemail, because we started this with the voicemail. Let's finish it with the voicemail. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can play us out with that voicemail. 347-687-9411. Uh, and uh, again, we really do want to thank Tom for that. That We, we cracked up. So yeah. thank you, Tom. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and so till next week. Yeah, uh, or actually maybe later in the week. We're thinking of uh, maybe a Friday. Oh, yeah. Hangout? A little hangout. Maybe we'll just pop up and see if there's anybody in the group. Yeah, see if there's anybody in there. Okay, sounds uh, good. But uh, until then, we'll see you next week. Thank you all for listening very much. We appreciate it. All right.